Y'all, we wouldn't be here without Youth Scene, the organization that sponsors this podcast, How to Be Queer. Youth Scene envisions a society where young people are empowered as individuals to access non-judgmental and unbiased treatment in every aspect of their lives. They encourage the creative creation of a community that celebrates everyone's worth, diverse characteristics, and dignity. Youth Scene provides mental wellness, resources, education, and support for all the LGBTQ communities, including youth and their families. So head on over to Youth Scene, that's youth, S-E-E-N dot org, and click on connect to give your money to support this organization dedicated to supporting our queer, trans, black, indigenous people of color communities. All right, Balls and Magic, welcome back to How to Be Queer podcast. My name is Alex, my pronouns are they, them. My name is Kim, my pronouns are she, her, and now I know what went wrong. <gasps> Tell me. So, so d- disclaimer, sometimes we have a false start on these podcasts Yeah, where we'll like start and then like, we'll be like, this ma- is making no sense. This is new, makes sense to us. It's definitely not going to make sense. Or, and I know what it was when we did our false start, I introduced us and it just went downhill from there. Oh, okay. You want to okay. introduce us again? Let's stick with tradition. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> How to be queer. Why do you listen? We're all, we're not produced. No, my name is Alex. My pronouns are they them. And Kim, my pronouns are she her. Welcome to our podcast. We're back, and guess what? We're going to talk about today. Valentine's Day is dumb. We're going to talk about Valentine's Day because because well, Valentine's Day is dumb and it's not dumb. Yes, it's both because it's here and it's misogynistic <laughs> and gross. <laughs> Uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you you know what we're going to do right now, we're going to thank our sponsor, Youth Scene, and we're going to spell it. YouthSEEN.org. If you have been enjoying this podcast, can you do us a favor and please go over and send them some love? Go send them some love. There's a, there's a button that says donate. Throw them some money. Click the button for us. Click the button. Um, I also want to acknowledge that right now we are still found on Spotify. We have obviously been following the Spotify story. And um, I would love for us to be off of Spotify. And I also recognize that a lot of you find us on Spotify. So if you are listening to us on Spotify, there are a number of platforms in which you can find us on. If you go to Spotify because you decide you want to stay on it and you start searching how to be queer and it's like, why isn't there a podcast on here? It's because we've left and we've gone to another platform. Um, I'm not going to get into this, this drama and controversy on this podcast or in this episode, at least around why, um, around the Spotify story and, and what's happening with Joe Rogan. There's not enough oxygen in the room for me right now to just completely dismantle that shit. I got to say, I've been a Spotify. I was an early adopter with Spotify. I've loved them for at least a decade or whenever they came out. And um, it's deeply troubling to me what's going on with it. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, we're still on here. But if you listen to us on Spotify and you go on one day and you're like, I can't find Kim and Alex, flip over to Apple Podcasts, which we're on that. Yes, Apple Podcasts. Um, We're also on like Google Breaker um, or Google Podcasts. Sorry, those are uh, two separate ones. And then people can also find us on YouTube because we're now recording these and putting them onto YouTube. So if you come back to Spotify, I know this episode is going to be on there, but if you come on to find future ones and and we're no longer posting to Spotify, um, you, you will know where to find us. Yep. And again, go over to Youth Scene. And are we ready to dive into Valentine's Day? Let's get into Valentine's Day. Alex, would you tell me where Valentine's Day came from? So, um, the history of Valentine's Day is rooted in some Christian and ancient Roman tradition. Okay. Um, but who really was St. Valentine and how did he become associated with this? I have no idea. This ancient thing. So, so the, the source I just want to um, cite is, um, I'm getting some information off of history.com. And so, so the Catholic Church re- recognized at least three different saints named Valentine, and all of whom were martyred. And one, Catholics love to martyr people, by yeah, the way. But keep yeah. going. <laughs> so one legend uh, contends that Valentine was a priest who served in the sur- in third century Rome, and when the emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families, 
That's fucking creepy as shit, but he going. outlawed marriage for the young men. Valentine realized the injustice of all of this and defied Claudius and continued to perform the marriages for the young men in secret. And then when he was discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. That's very sad. Uh-huh. So, um, so then others insist that it was St. Valentine attorney a bishop who was the true namesake of the holiday but he too was beheaded by claudius claudius is a dick outside of rome <laughs> <laughs> fuck you claudius right so claudius was not loved claudius didn't find love <laughs> yeah claudius was yeah all sorts of other things so and other stories suggest that the valentine may have been killed for attempting to help the christians escape harsh rome prisons Oh, God, so he, I don't think I want to know what a harsh Rome prison was. That's like the stuff of nightmares, isn't it? Yeah, they were often beaten and tortured. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one legend, again, states that an imprisoned Valentine actually sent the first Valentine, quote, greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl. Ugh, oh, possibly. Oh, oh, oh okay. creepy and alert. this is where it begins. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the, his jailer's daughter who, oh, Jesus. who visited him in confinement. So this, okay, we can break that down later. Um, so before his death is alleged, he wrote her letter signed from your Valentine. Ah, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. It's all so coming together. This is based off of some type of like child bride. Yes. Okay. Oh God. This Both. is only going downhill. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously an expression still used today. So the truth behind the legends um, is murky, but the stories all emphasize his appeal as a sympathetic and heroic and rom mostly important romantic figure. Okay. All right. So this is, this is kind of coming together for me, like the history. Where yeah. do we get to the part where Hallmark took it over and it became a completely misogynistic materialistic day? Yes. Okay. So let's fast forward. So Valentine's day, day of romance. Um, it, so the Valentine's greetings were popular as far back as the middle ages. And then, um, Oh gosh, what I need to, I didn't read this part. Hold on. And then the, the greetings, fast forward began to get celebrated in like in like the 17th century okay. i skipped a whole bunch of history there that's okay but in the united states valentine's day is celebrated in canada and mexico the united kingdom france australia great britain valentine's day, valentine's day began popular it was popularity oh my goodness it started to be celebrated around the 17th century okay so yeah. by the middle of the 18th it was common for friends and lovers of all social classes to exchange small tokens of affection or handwritten notes by 1900, printed cards began to replace written letters due to improvements in printing technology. Yay! Ready-made cards were easy, Hallmark, were easy ways for people to express their emotion in a time where, when direct expression of one's feelings was discouraged. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And also, let it be noted that Valentine, they think, was killed in February. Ah, okay. So that's why we mark it in February. Yeah. Okay. Um, Americans probably began exchanging handmade Valentines in the early 1700s and in the 1840s. Esther A. Holland. Esther Price Candy. <laughs> <laughs> began selling the first mass-produced Valentines in America. Well, there you are, Esther. And then there's okay. the capitalism. She's the, But she is the mother of the Valentine. Made elaborate creations with real lace ribbons and colorful pictures known as scrap. Scrapbooking. Oh my God, this is fascinating. Um, so with the greeting card association, an estimated 145 million Valentine Valentine's Day cards are sent each year, making Valentine's the second largest card selling holiday of the year. Um, more cards are sent at Christmas. This is super interesting because this is the geeky shit that I love. So, so knowing that these, that the roots of Valentine's day obviously came from, you know, lovers who weren't being allowed to married and a, and a saint saying, or well, what wasn't a saint, but a person saying, I'm going to go ahead and marry y'all yeah. anyway. And then this Claudius dude comes around and is like, I am evil and nobody loves me. So no one can love. Let me kill you. Is like that basically what we're getting. And then some nice lady is like, let me use all this cool stuff and the scraps of like making shit and start making cards with it. Mm -hmm. And now we give each other tokens that say, I love you. 
Yeah. So maybe just like any event, there's dark and light history. So here's my beef with Valentine's Day, though. And I get to say, like, I, I, y'all can hate me for if this, if you're like, oh my God, Valentine's Day is like the best day ever. Like you can send me an email and, and tell me that. And I'll be like, okay, cool. You do you. I'm never here to yuck somebody's yum. I find Valentine's Day to be one of the most, like the day that carries the most misogyny and objectification of women that like it, it exists as far as a holiday. And so before you come at me with your, whatever, whatever your, your weapon of choice is to tell me how wrong I am, I'm just going to state that like misogyny again, hurts everyone. It doesn't just hurt women. Misogyny also hurts men because it's an expectation of how we, you know, how, how to show up in the world that sometimes is is not going to feel like who a man is. So misogyny impacts all of us. And Valentine's day to me is like, it is, it is seeped in misogyny of, oh, you yawning. I'm fine. You fine. Keep going. Should I keep going or do you want to pause? I'm listening. You're listening. Okay. Sometimes I yawn when I'm cold. Are you cold? I'm keep going. You're never (laughs) cold though. Now I'm concerned. (laughs) My concerned partner. Why are you cold? You're a hot box. (laughs) That's for later. Okay. Keep going. So but, but part of like with the misogyny that I see with, with Valentine's day is I can't stand this campaign of chivalry, right? Yeah. Where it's like, let me take my love out to dinner and, and pull her chair out for her and open her door and give her a heart shaped box filled with chocolate. And, and a lot of times it feels like I'm doing all of these things because what was your word earlier? Because I want to get boinged. Was that your word? Yeah. Like boint. <laughs> boint. I mean, should we just basically like let's give someone oh okay this is this is deep right ready ready. let's give someone a cardboard box (laughs) shaped like a heart filled with candy because i'm actually not going to give you my real heart yeah it just there's something like artificial about it right or it's that it's expected and then and listen, I, I get it. There, there's lots of people out there that feel like the chivalrous attention is, is their love language. Right. And, um, okay, let's, let's go into that. Like for a minute though, cause like a part of why I do not like Valentine's day speaks directly to what my love language is. Mm-hmm. What are the five of them again? Um, acts of service, words of affirmation, gifts, quality time, and physical touch. So to me, Valentine's day is a lot of things that sometimes don't necessarily feel like quality time, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it can be put on as like something you have to do. And then it is a lot of gifts, right? Or, and, and, and then it's to expect physical touch. So there's a lot of just expectations around Valentine's day that have never really felt good to me. And then I also just want to name that like a lot of times in chivalry, right? It's a little bit of, um, the, the positive, this is like a weird, maybe like a weird combination of words, but what's framed as like a positive, but it's actually sexism. So like, we should do a podcast based on on what chivalry, where chivalry where where that came from. But like the ways that like sometimes sexism is like hidden in these positive things, like, um, Oh, I'm such a gentleman. Like I open doors for a woman. And I was the, just, yeah. Yeah. And a woman would be like, I can actually get the door myself. Yeah. I don't need you to open it because the implication is that you can't do it yourself. So let me do it for you. Yeah. So a lot of women feel like that's actually pretty sexist, but then other women are like, no, I actually kind of feel like that that feels good to them. And again, I'm not here to yuck your yum. I'm just going to tell, I'm just going to speak for myself that I don't necessarily like, I'm, I'm super happy to open a door for a dude. Yeah. I'm out hoping I'll open a door for any human because I can, because I'm able-bodied and I can do these things. And so I do them not only for myself, but for others, right. I'm not doing it to say, to imply sometimes like women need to be cared and taken care of. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's like around physical strength, which I just find is bullshit. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think I don't know. Uh, I'll just be obviously speak for myself that like, you know, you're kind of raised with this, that chivalry is like a good thing. And, and it's not and I'm necessarily, not gonna, yeah, I'm not going to yuck you yum. But um, I remember as a teenager, like, you know, like, like when you're dating boys, you're like, oh, he's so nice. He opened the door for me and he paid for dinner. And I'm like, 
but that's not really and then you and then if that's not dismantled over time that that goes into some you know it can go into some really dark places right, right? because it can feel almost like you're you're being looked at as not as an equal yeah uh and so that that for me and again you, you have to identify your own love language in the own way in your own way obviously that you feel attention being put on you how it feels good or how it doesn't but i think for a lot of women in a misogynistic patriarchal environment, we haven't necessarily had voice to say, you know what, this actually doesn't feel good to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be labeled as like a man hater because I want to be seen as your equal or because I don't respond to chivalry. And, and quite frankly, I don't think it's a man's right to be chivalrous. I think it's all about the connection that you make with that person and respecting where they are. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to like keep going down this, this thing, but like the lingerie thing is like the, the one that's the most obvious to me, right. Of we have so many places that are capitalizing on having women dress a certain way. And then when a man gifts them in a way to dress this way, the expectation is some type of like physical interaction. Mm -hmm. It's fucking gross. Yeah. Okay. It's me. It's like, if you, if, if, and you were giving, can you give the, when we were talking before about the woman, you know, that would wear lingerie? Oh yeah. A friend of mine, um, childhood friend said that, you know, she would buy herself lingerie to wear underneath her work clothes. Cause it just made her feel good. Yeah. Like I get that. Like, you yeah. know, you, you, you do something for yourself and if it's, if it's lingerie and you feel good and it makes you feel empowered and sexy, like, do you, right. But if you're a t-shirt and underwear girl, and your partner is like, oh, I got you this like really complicated thing of, of lingerie. <laughs> and can you put it on for me? Like, I don't know that you're reading the room there, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and so I guess that it's, it's a little bit of that. Who is this actually a gift for? Yeah. I don't, I, lingerie is not a gift for me. <laughs> you're laughing at me again. You're laughing with no, me. No, I'm, I'm laughing with, I'm just listening. Are you imagining a world in which you give me lingerie and I look at you and I'm like, do you even know me? <laughs> I think it's, I think I'm laughing because that's actually so just foreign to, um, you know, it's just, yeah. Can we talk about us. like queerness with Valentine's day a little bit though? Yeah. So, so, so Valentine's day to me is like a very heteronormative day right? We don't get a lot of images of like what a queer Valentine's day looks like. And a lot of our stereotype or stereotypical behavior is very much about men being chivalrous to women and somehow it, you know, resulting in sex, right? That's like a lot of the imagery and storytelling that we get around Valentine's day. So what does a queer Valentine's day look like? I mean, if you start with the idea of like, when you get asked as a lesbian couple, who's the man, and then you say, <laughs> neither, that's the fucking point. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't think about Valentine's day very much. No, <laughs> I don't think about Valentine's day much either because, and you had said this before, like when we were talking about queer joy, like queer joy, it's almost like every day is Valentine's day. Well, yeah. And I, and I was acknowledging, like, I want to, I want to play, play into it because it's, you know, like the, the smoke and mirrors or the, um, parade of, you know, pink and red and candy and sweet and joy. And like, well, I want to play on that team too. Like, I, I, like I want to be, be a part of that. So then like, you're like, well, okay, so what is, what would Valentine's day, queer joy, Valentine's day look like? And, but it's kind of like every day, like I do that shit. We do that shit every day. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if that's like a, if, if that's an element of like the, of being queer when, when you, when you have not um, allowed yourself the space to be queer, and yeah. maybe this is like a little bit too, cause we get a, we get an awful lot of like emails from people that are like, I'm kind of ready to come out of the closet, but I'm not sure how, and I'm really scared. Like, here's one of the benefits of like queer joy, right. Yeah. Is that you are, are living in a heteronormative world where you're, you're participating in Valentine's day in a hetero sense. And you're like, man, this is just not connecting for me. And if I was really allowing myself to be and, and sharing and joy and love and, and sex and touch and intimacy and all these things with a, with a, with a human that, that matches what my desire is. Yeah. You're going to kind of feel like it's Valentine's day every day, yeah. right? Because you've denied yourself this joy for so long. 
that when you get it, you're like, every day is February fucking the 14th. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> so I, I get it. And like, like, that's a little bit how queer joy shows up. But then when I think about like some of the like really, really cheesy parts of Valentine's Day, like candy hearts, right. With like the little messages on them. Yeah. Who doesn't want to participate in that? Right. Who doesn't want to be like, I got you a bag of candy hearts. Whoop. Something just went bang. Um, might be a dog. No. Well, and like, okay. All right. We're going, we're going to dinner, you know, for quote unquote Valentine's day this weekend. Like we're participating. We're participating in it. I just, I'm not sure I can participate it, participated. (laughs) I don't know that I think for so long, I've only seen images of, of hetero Valentine's day. And I, I do feel like it is just, it's so misogynistic the way that it's set up. Yeah. And I love the idea of like, regardless of your queer or not, what does a day of celebrating love and connection really look like? Does it look like lingerie in a box for you? If it does, then, then strap one on for a ride, like (laughs) go for it. But maybe it does look like quieter moments of like, you know, going back to what's her face, who was using scrapbooks to make these really intricate cards. Like that's a beautiful thing for someone to give you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I do kind of like the idea of dismantling some of these spaces a little bit of you know, I, I don't think I have to have Valentine's Day spoon fed to me the way that it's been in this world of like, you know, materialism and misogyny um, in this heteronormative way. But I think all of us, especially right now, like what it, I would absolutely celebrate a day of joy and love and connection. I just don't want it handed to me in the ways that I was socialized to take it. Yeah. It's almost like just like everything else in, um, in our history, kind of like, you know, these, these systems of the misogyny and the, and, um, you know, heteronormative culture, like everything just gets swept up into it. Cause it's just all about, you know, capitalizing on itself. And so if you strip it away, I mean, everyone wants true love and, but, um, so, yeah. Well, and I'm going to leave this sentence here. And then, you know, I know that we, we also, the, one of the things that we forgot about is that we were going to talk about and just like that and how, oh. so we'll, we'll get to, we'll yeah. get to that. But one of the things I want to just, I'm going to introduce this and then maybe we'll, we'll pick it up in another podcast. But like when we really talk about capitalist culture and capitalist culture in the United States, we have to acknowledge that that system a lot of times is built on the dehumanization of, of a lot of different types of bodies. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, Kim? Like, like this is your, this is, I'm going to be your link to resources to start thinking about this. But, you know, our country was set up on how we dehumanized human bodies and started capitalizing off of them. Mm-hmm. That's what slavery did. Mm-hmm. There is, and I'm not saying that these things are comparable, but I'm saying that this is what capitalist systems do is in a lot of ways, they do dehumanize something to be able for someone else to have power control and profit over. And yeah. we do this again and again and again with human bodies, right? And so there is just a bit of this capitalist culture with Valentine's Day that is about putting women in a place of servitude, right? Of sitting back and being demure and gentle and receiving of these gifts and attention that quite frankly, you might not want a gift that way. But the way that it's been positioned to us reinforces that dehumanization of women as objectification. Yeah. And that to me is really fucking creepy. And so I'm just going to call that out and say, if this is really a day of joy and celebration and love, why did the big show, why the gift giving that somehow ends up benefiting your bottom line? Yeah. So I'm going to leave that there. Yeah. I was just kind of scrolling through my head too. Um, like, you know, just start paying attention to commercials and look at them a little bit differently. Yeah. There's so much in, in, in the commercialization and the capitalization that it is, if, if somebody, if this is serving someone's bottom line, right. Mm -hmm. You have to think about the impacts of that. Yeah. So Valentine's day, I know that you and I are going to celebrate because I love you. Mm -hmm. Me too. Very much. Love you too. And I know that we can both identify our love language Mm -hmm. and yours is 
quality time, quality time. And mine is quality time. Yeah. And there is something romantic about, we're going to go out to dinner and be very focused on that time together Mm -hmm. and celebration. Yeah. And that feels good. Yeah. So happy Valentine's day. Happy Valentine's day. So I'll just tell you that every single day, every day is, isn't that a song where every day is Valentine's day. That's like a line from a song. Is it my funny Valentine? Oh, maybe it might be somebody write me and tell me. Okay. Okay. Do you want to get into it just like that? Yeah. Or do you have something else about Valentine's day? I think I'll just leave this. I'll leave this kind of lay this down and walk away from it. I think, um, I'm just kind of processing that the strangeness now of a day that you have to designate a day to show and express love. It just feels, and that's like normal and fun. And I, I have played into it. Like we all have, like, it's, I'm not saying that I haven't participated, but it's just kind of like, when you say it out loud and you think like, oh my gosh, it's just feel, there's really nothing else to like, you know, dive into about it, but it's just like, it just feels strange. Oh, to have like one day where we're going to do this instead of every day. Cause every yeah, day should be Valentine's like, day. Because really like, you know, if you listen to certain jewelry, Hey, Hey men, don't forget to buy your lady. Uh, you know, like it's gross. It's gross. And it's like, like if you're, if you're waiting once a year to, to tell the person that you spend your life with, that you love them and care about them and you're going to buy them these gifts and maybe you'll spend some time with them. But like, you're, you're just, your priorities are. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and also think about the fact that like Valentine's day is marketed to, to, to men to do something for your woman. Right? Yeah. And then I think about like men in that and I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. That what, what, like, if we're really all about equality, then how are we not setting it up as women to share that day with men? Right. 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 And that's the thing about like being in a queer relationship where I'm like, you know, when you were joking around, like, well, which one of you is the man? Neither. That's the point. Yeah. Like, how are you both And this is part of like queer joy that I really love is that you both there is no expectation for one of you to show up more than the other. You both show up yeah. in a way that feels really, you know, organic. Like I'm not going to give you a box of lingerie. I know you're not going to give me one. Um, but yeah, like when you really, when you really sit and think about the way that this is marketed to men and actually in a way to show their manliness, it's just fucking gross. Yeah. I, I think um, it, even in even in holidays, as a queer couple, you'll you're still people still try to shove you into a heteronormative role, and it, that's it's like it's um, just finding your queer joy in everything. In it, like it's a constant. It's always in your face. Like it's like a con. It, I guess it's just co- kind of a constant. Um, well, I'm, I, there's a word right on the tip of my tongue. I can't quite find it. Um, it's just always, it's always there that you have to f- find the queer, the, the joyness in your queerness in everything, because it's not the, the quote unquote normal. It, it, and it may have, it, it may have escaped your life for some time. Yeah. Especially if you, if you are a person that has been living in the heteronormative and you have not been, um, you you weren't ready to come out and, and be yeah right. And so every day for you might really do, it really might feel for a long time. Like every day is Valentine's day. And part of it is like, you're in love with your, this is like a really fascinating thing about like when you first come out of the closet and you're, you're with someone and it's a little bit like, you might be in love with that person, but you're also in love with yourself Yeah, with that person. Well, I was just going to say, maybe if you're someone who just came out and you're in a new relationship, like, like new queer relationship and, you know, like dive all into Valentine's day, like yep. find your joy in it, have fun with it. Like show that person and yourself how you feel. And, and that's a beautiful thing to be able yes. to do. And I, I do, um, I, I, I want to acknowledge too, that when, when I started spending Valentine's days with, with you, for sure, I fell in love with, 
um, Valentine's day because it did feel like this, this, I, I think what I'm reflecting on with Valentine's Day is ways that I've spent it in, in the past and the way that I still see it put upon um, people within this gender and heteronormative world that I'm like, it doesn't really matter how you identify for, for Valentine's Day. If this is still captured in this, this smoke and mirrors of, of the patriarchy and of a heteronormative and of, of just this, this materialism, that doesn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels really good spending Valentine's day in a day where it's like, I tell you, I love you multiple times a day. And I try to really celebrate the the joy of being who we are every day. Yeah. I'm going to celebrate a little bit more on February 14th, but then also like recognizing that, um, I love myself in this space too. Mm-hmm. I love you and I love me and I love the whole package that we have every day. Mm-hmm. So maybe I did come around to liking Valentine's day a little bit more than I think. I, I think know. we just took our, our conversation kind of in a, in a full circle couple. Yeah. Yeah. And like an A to Z to B to G to F to I. Yeah. Nonlinear. Well, and I, so I was trying to pull in some queerness, you know, in those, what's his mean? Well, Valentine visiting people in the, in the jails. Hold on. Maybe there were some maybe there was some queer people, jailed. queer joy happening in that, in that right there. <laughs> that was kind of, that's, it might be a stretch, but anyway, should we, cause we watched all of, um, and just like that, we're going to switch yes. gears on people because it's over. It ended. Oh yep. boy. So I, I do want to say with, 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 and just like that, that Che Diaz <laughs> has ended up being like the most hated character in all of like television history. Like people freaking hate Che. I, I love Che. I did too. uh, I did too. But man, they, they, the, 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 the hate towards that character. And I'm, I am still trying to dismantle how much of it was that, that there were parts of the character that were just really not likable, which you and I can both recognize. Yeah. Like the, the character is pretty narcissistic. Well, and I was actually just thinking like, you know, they, they say about it, um, themselves, like, you know, I'm not traditional. Right. And we went right to non-monogamy. We did. And so I acknowledge that part. And then, but then when I pull back and I think about it, they were wild and authentic. Mm -hmm. And from what, if you listen to their words and what they wanted Miranda, they, they were also committed. Well, that was the thing. Yes. And, and so that I totally identify with what you just said, because when we were watching it, and again, like if you, if you haven't finished the show, like stop listening to us right now, cause we're going to ruin it for you. Um, or if you didn't watch the show and you don't give a fuck, well then the, Hey, see you later, <laughs> make sure you give us a good rating and come back for more. Um, but one of the things like when we were, I think it was the, the second to last episode. And, um, we, we did talk about the part where like they didn't show or didn't write the part where Miranda came out to Steve. And we were like, boy, you guys really cut like a really important conversation out of the show. Okay, fine. And then we know that Miranda goes to Cleveland and, you know, we get this, this, this feeling of like Che saying, I'm not traditional. I'm not traditional. And you and I both went to, she's going to show up in Cleveland and Che's going to have some other partner there or some other person. And that's how we interpreted non-traditional. And it ended up that that wasn't necessarily the case. Yeah. So I had to call myself out on that. Yeah. I found we both went to that place though. Yeah. Um, but as far as we know, the show has ended with Miranda going to LA, giving up a, um, internship that they had worked really hard to get Mm -hmm. and going to LA to support Che in there in a pilot. Yeah. Miranda like basically risks it all, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just a job. It's just a house. It's and, and and goes for the the deep. Follows her heart. I know here 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 I go. Follows yeah. her heart out to California. She's just like I, I've never felt this way. I I just have to go see. 
it shocked me because everything that we know in all of the previous seasons and movies and everything about Miranda Hobbs is this is not something that that character would do. This character was always very much about, Hey, these are the steps that I take to achieve what I want in life. And I follow the rules because that's what you're supposed to do. And the next thing we know they're queer and running off with their (laughs) non-binary, you know, partner to California. And they're like, you know, divorcing their husband and putting their son out to Europe. And I'm like, Whoa, yeah. But then I look at it and I'm like, sometimes when you discover, like, and you come out of the closet or you meet that person, you unravel your life. And so yeah. a lot of the hate that has come towards Che and towards Miranda, I'm like, oh, but I get it. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. And it feels, and so maybe to some of those people that are hating on it so bad, I'm like, maybe you just can't identify with what she's feeling. Yeah. I think there's a part of that. The world as a collective, and I'm going to generalize, but you know, that people really aren't ready to see wild and authentic and, and what it really means to be. There's something there, obviously something about Che that's very triggering for people, which brings out the hatred. Well, so yeah, I mean, here's the question to your point. If that show, if, if the character that Miranda fell in love with was Joe, um, you know, maybe a, another civil rights attorney or lawyer yeah. that would you have felt differently about Miranda's choices? Oh, people, absolutely. People will be responding completely differently, but it's because it's, it's, it's the first, yeah, there's so many layers. That's the question I think I have with like all of the hate that's coming um, towards the character of Che. And then also a little bit, the, the, the person that portrays them, Sarah Ramirez, yeah. um, they've said that they will not go onto like media to read the feedback because it's, it's, it's just too hard for them to do it and they have to protect their own mental health. Yeah. But that's, I guess, the question for people that were so triggered by that story. And they're like, but Miranda would never do this to Steve. And we got our happy ending. And I'm like, did we really get our happy ending from Miranda and Steve? In one of the meetings, Steve had slept with someone at the bar. They weren't engaged in a sexual relationship anymore. They got married, you know, and, and I get that, you know, there's love and there's partnership and there's raising children together, but clearly Miranda was not fulfilled in this marriage. Mm -hmm. And, and then you have to question, was Steve or was he just settling and saying, eh, good enough? Right. And he didn't even know that he wasn't fulfilled. Or that his wife wasn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, well, if, if. Like, this is good enough for me. Isn't it good enough for you? Like, no, 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 no. Good enough is not good enough. Well, and that's the way I feel too, is that, you know, y- you can have a life that's that's good enough, but that's not what what I wanted. I wanted a, you know, fireworks over the top. Can't live without you love cut off my arm and cut off my arm and hand it to you. Right. Like that's what, that's what I wanted. And so, and I think that's something that we're all worthy and deserve. Yeah. But you know what, sometimes to get that, especially if you are connecting it with your own queerness, Ooh, boy, can you trigger some people? Yeah. As we are seeing with Miranda Hobbs. Well, yeah. And they, you know, they, of course they, they show the entire conversation of her coming out to her friends, which we've already discussed about how Charlotte re- reacted to Miranda. And then, you know, and, and not to, I'm going to use the word compare. It's not really the word I'm meaning to use, but essentially like, you know, and then they show the conversation of Miranda coming out to her husband and, you know, coming out to your friend is going to be different than coming out to like a person you're married to. Yeah. And they just kind of actually missed a whole bunch. Like this was her marriage and, you know, I I get it's TV. They could have, they can't put it all in there, but yeah, they really could have, um, they could have shown how Steve had to be an ally, mm-hmm. like how Steve was an ally for her. And, you know, and later on, they're like, oh, Steve, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a rom-com, like, you know, I'm kind of going back a, a, an episode, but anyway. But they show Steve at one point interacting with Carrie and he's like, I just want her to be, you know, be happy. Right. 
And so I, I, I do think that the writers took an easy way out of not writing what that scene was where Miranda's like, yeah, I've met someone and they're non-binary human and yep, I'm in a queer space and I'm, I'm recognizing my own sexuality. Like that's a fucking conversation. It is. And they just didn't put it in. They, and so I guess, you know, I, I, I like the character. Well, I don't want to say that I like the character of Che. I like that. I got to see the character of Che. Yeah. Yeah. The visibility itself, but there were so many, I mean, we, we pulled in a lot of parallels with our own lives. Totally. That, um, probably, I mean, that's one reason why, why we're talking about it now. Um, but why they were parts that were so hard to watch and why we got a little like snarky about it. And anyway, um, do you want to see a season two or do you feel like just let it go now? Well, no, I do because I think there's a lot of opportunity, you know, um, with, because as we, te- as well, you teach and, and, and we talk about the awareness comes in layers. And so they could keep building on this, the, these, these foundations, these, these relationships of, and then bring more, more visibility. And yeah, I, yes, I would love to see more. And, and then, you know, Carrie going through like, um, queerness aside, like Carrie, you know, grief and and losing her losing big and then how she kind of you know starts over and re there's so many opportunities in it yeah and I think I just love the characters too I do too I I I I know that a lot of people were hate watching it and man the show has taken like a beating but it's also the the most watched streaming series from HBO ever yeah ever yeah I think it's it's such, it, it's swung such a, a opposite angle. And so those the, like the diehards are mad and like, don't be mad. Well, I think it's such an interesting conversation about, you know, women and sex in their fifties, yeah, um, understanding your own sexuality loss and love. And then, you know, you see characters like Charlotte and Harry and they're fighting, but then Charlotte's still going to give them a blow job. And the, the friends are like, you still do that. Like <laughs> there's, there was a lot of, 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 of moments where I'm like, I, I, I get what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt clunky at times, yeah. like the writing felt clunky and I'm, and, and the timing felt clunky and boy, they did not, I, I, this is what I would like to see for season two, as much as I love Sarah Ramirez, I would really love to see a world where Miranda Hobbs is not with Che, mm-hmm. but is determining that she is actually queer herself yeah, and goes on that journey of maybe finding a partner that, um, I just have a feeling maybe, maybe a little bit, a little bit of a different partnership than what she's experiencing with Che. Did, did she say in the show that, that she didn't know if she was queer, but she just was really into Che. It reminds me of the Glennon Doyle answer. <sighs> That's I, what I, know, to say too. I know. And like, we're going to roll our and, eyes at and, this for a minute, but it reminds me a lot of Glennon Doyle. Yeah. That your, your sexuality is not another person. As much as I love Glennon Doyle and believe me, Untamed was one of those books. If you look at my copy of it, I have like almost every page dog-eared and underlined. Oh yeah. But I want to throw that book across the room when she identifies her sexuality as Abby. They're making it into a TV show. I heard that. Yeah. I heard that. I would definitely be watching that. Yeah, me too. But it does make me angry when we when we classify when someone classifies their sexuality as another person, as much as on a level, I get it. Yeah. You and I have talked about this. Like I am not a queer person who is attracted to, um, femme women yeah. like that. It doesn't, I'm not attracted to super femme women. I am attracted to a very specific type of person. Um, and that, but that's not, I mean, you, yes, you represent those things that I'm attracted to, but that doesn't necessarily, like you don't define my sexuality. I just have a type Right. <laughs> and so Glennon, you have a fucking type. You're yeah. queer as fuck, honey. You just have a type that looks like Abby. Yeah. <laughs> I want to like scream that at her and be like, just be a fucking queer woman. You are yeah. your queerness is not defined by another person. That's attraction. Yeah. 
I mean, are you defined by your attraction to super femme women? <laughs> Am I defined by it? Yeah. I think I'm, well, you are, I married my type too. But like you would, but would you, I guess my point being like, you're not attracted to all women. No, no, of course not. But yeah. you're attracted to femme women, but you wouldn't say, oh, my sexuality is Kim. No. Right. <laughs> cause, cause the, there, yeah, we need to have ownership around because that's a self thing. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it, what is it? It's like one of the number one questions on your TikTok channel. I feel like I get all the time. If your um, partner is, is non-binary trans mask, then how do you identify as a lesbian? And my answer is always the same. I get to do whatever the fuck I want because yeah. I'm me and I get to name myself and you actually don't. And I don't care if it doesn't make sense to you. It makes sense to me. And number two, my sexuality is not determined by the person that I'm with. It's determined by how I feel. Yes fuckers <laughs> swear to God. It's the, the question. That's why I'm like afraid of TikTok now, because every time I go on there, people are like, is that a dude? Are you married to a No, stop with yeah. the questions. But yeah. You love TikTok. You know, what, if someone were to look, yes, I, I, I have, I do have this kind of this love hate relationship with it because I view sharing as we talked about this earlier about with as healing, but, um, I also, why is Rosie barking? I don't know. Oh. Rosie, Rosie, highly produced podcast. It's not captain underbite this time. <laughs> it's Rosie. She's celebrating her birthday on February 18th, by the way, <laughs> we'll get her a cupcake. Happy birthday, Rosie. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's just, um, well, yeah. Uh, I have a. I think Rosie interrupted your thought. Yeah, I just, I guess I'll just say I have a complicated r relationship with it. I think it's fun and also oh. like I hate it and I love it. Like like even today I was looking through my settings on, on 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 my Facebook. Like I just want to shut all this down. I, I have a I have an intense and I don't know what's wrong with Rosie. Rosie, sorry, gang. Highly produced podcast. <laughs> Um, I just, I, I, we could, should probably like close up our podcast here. Cause I think we've been going for quite a bit. Um, the one thing I do just want to acknowledge is that part of what I heard Sarah Ramirez say, and this was, and this is the, the, obviously the human that portrays Che Diaz, Yeah, what they did do that I really am grateful for is that they, they were saying, you know, Hey, for a really long time, the only language I had around queerness was, or, or really around sexuality was straight, gay, or lesbian. Yeah. That was, that was me too. And this is something we're going to get into in a future podcast, because we have some notes here for it. So I'm going to leave, lay this down and walk away from it. But there is so much more to the spectrum of sexuality and identity than straight, gay, or lesbian. But mm -hmm. for a lot of us, that's all we had for a really, really long time. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. So as even though Sarah Ramirez, people are saying it's like the most hated character. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate the character at all. I didn't hate it either. It was, it was a little bit of like any visibility is good visibility in a certain, a certain way. In a certain way. I mean, did they need to sexualize this character as much as they did? No, no. There was a whole lot of bumps in the, pro but, but you had a main character who was non-binary and that no, no other show has done that. It, it definitely feels like a step in visibility, but listen, we always have room to do better. And yeah. I, I hope they do. I would really love to see them in season two say, okay, Miranda, you are 55, 56 years old. And you are finally giving yourself the freedom to be like, I'm not going to do what's expected of me. I'm just going to go through this world and feel, and then go in that direction. And where does that lead that character? I would be fascinated in that story yeah well it reminds me of the, of uh, sorry of of the mid of the midlife unraveling totally like i think the writers maybe tried to it, tried to write in some of the midlife unravel like here here are our truths and here are the things that we're going through and here are all the ways that we fucked up that we're like trying trying to do better now mm -hmm. and and i think i love that part about the new about and just like that yeah, I think I do too. And so, you know, and it's interesting because a lot of the like hate of it, um, the, it's like really along like generational lines Yeah, that 
and I, and I get this because this is a lot of things that I see at work too, that like we have younger generations that are like, what the fuck? Like, how is it that these older generations haven't figured it out yet that like sexuality and identity and all of this is really fluid and they're making such a big deal out of it. And then you have like, you know, people that are of older generations being like, this is not true to who Miranda Hobbs is as a person. And it's like super fun. Cause you know, we're Gen X. And so we just stay out of it and watch everybody fight amongst themselves. And then we're like, I can't be bothered. <laughs> That's what's so great about being Gen X, but it's, it's interesting to see how the show landed with people on generational lines as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Should we wrap this one? Yeah. Rosie's back. She was, you were, what you barking at Rosie? <laughs> Give me your cross eyes. <laughs> I didn't. I watched Sex in the City on DVDs. I did not watch it in real in real time. And mm-hmm. I remember people being like, you know, well, which which one are you? And I'm I'm now I was n- none of them. Yeah, that's like the the inter- like when people were like, oh, are you a Carrie? You Amanda, Samantha, or Charlotte? And I would say I was I was a, a mix of, of. There's a lot of Miranda that I was for sure. Yeah, a um, little bit of Carrie. Not so much Charlotte or Samantha. I was somewhere between Miranda and Carrie. Charlotte was too, is too, I, I'm not like a prim and proper person. No. Um, and I'm not like super traditional the way Charlotte was. And Samantha, man, I wish I could be Samantha, but I'm so not Samantha. Well, and it's funny. So back, I think I, if I were to say, I would align more with Carrie and Samantha because mm-hmm. Carrie had this, or at least they showed this like very introverted pensive, like I'm going to go right. And I'm going to spend time with myself. And like that part I identified with, and then Samantha had this wild side and she was unapologetic about it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, "Uh uh-huh, that makes sense to me. Bo, sit down. Honestly, I don't know why anybody listens to this. I can totally see that, that you had the wild freedom of Samantha and the introverted thinker of Carrie. Yeah. Stop it. I hit the chair, people, not the dog. (laughs) We would never hit the dog. Oh my God. Oh my God. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's just a special creature. There you go. Just put your jammies on and go to bed. Oh, here he comes. Okay. Well, you want to tell people all the things? Yeah. Um, So go check us out. We just, I've just put us on. youtube so how to be queer on youtube if you're listening to us now hello (laughs) um it's kind of weird i'm glad you didn't have that screen up while we were talking but then i'm like suddenly very aware of what i might have looked like while we were doing this no scary scary hello okay um you can go on uh find us on instagram or Facebook, but most importantly, the communication and the connection. If you want to email us or share any part of your story, anything you want to share with us, you can email us at howtobequeerpodcast at gmail.com. Because you never know, one day Facebook might be gone. <laughs> I can only dream of that world, Alex. I know. I, I, we, we should have a conversation about like social media and all the things I am not a social media person. And sometimes I dip my toe into it. And then I'm like, I never want to come back on again. I have a love hate, that's mostly hate with it. Yeah. I, I know that I, I am on it a lot, but I also really struggle with it. So yeah. it's kind of a strange thing for me. What's the, okay. I swear we're going to end this podcast, but yeah. what's so interesting to me is like, is, is generationally. So, you know, we're the generation obviously that like, I, I, I didn't even grow up with a computer in my house. Yeah. Right. I didn't have a computer until I was older. I didn't have email in yeah. high school. Like I'd got email when I went to college. Yeah, me too. Um, I was like, Ooh, this is a cool thing. This is a cool thing. I remember going to the computer lab yeah. to like, and so an and email for the most part, I, I think it wasn't even that much of a deal until I don't even know if I had it in my first job. Mm. Um, I have to, or maybe it, this is part of like the COVID memory where like time means nothing to me anymore. And I can't mm. understand timetables anymore. Is anyone else experiencing that? Like time is really hard for me to grasp. Yeah. Um, where are we going with this? Um, oh, social media, social media. And, and, and so having it being something that I had to learn. Yeah. I, I still can't get there with it. And then other people are like, oh no, like my life is lived by likes and 
the way things that show up on social media and the way people see it and experience my life. And I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah. I have a really hard time with it. I, I know that there's the, uh, yeah, seriously, we're, in, we'll, we'll, but there, you know, a lot of, I think the younger generation, they find their va- part of their value in how many likes they get or comments. And that's scary to me. And I, and I have to be vulnerable that like, that's a part of it. And I think when I post a video, like all you, you, you automatically, you kind of like wonder, you know, who has commented and how many likes is on there. And, 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 but it also equates to like, um, the connection, but then also knowing that the, the chemical science behind social media and what it does to your brain and like the dopamine hits. And it's like that whole thing is really, really fascinating. And so being aware of like, Hey, you're wanting to check this because this gives you a dopamine shot. Mm -hmm. So it's like all of that going on, but then also we live in a world where social media is that you want to get the word out about your event or something going on. Like, it's got to go on social media. And then I'm like, but does it really? But yes, it does. It's really. I, I will say I am a, and we're going a little bit long and people can pause or whatever. Um, Twitter is my social media of choice. Oh yeah. I love, I like Twitter Yeah. Um, because I definitely like follow a couple of things. I can log on easy and I can see headlines. Yep. I want to read this later. I want to do this later. Um, and I really like it. And then I do get a lot from TikTok mm-hmm. and I'm like, right. Because there's a whole side of TikTok, which is like learning TikTok, mm-hmm. which I freaking love clean talk. Oh yeah. You got obsessed with clean talk I and like did. how to clean the house. But I was telling you, like, there's a whole side of, of TikTok, which is three minutes. And someone like basically explains to you like famous pieces of art. Oh yeah. So I get that there's like a side of social media that I'm like, that's actually pretty freaking cool. Mm-hmm. That the, the connectivity that social media gives us where, you know, before it may have been something to go to your library and get a book or go to, a, you know, survey a college course or take a college, a college course. Sometimes the information that's made accessible to us through it is actually actually really freaking cool. Yeah. Like I was watching the, the, the one about, um, the, the one about the, the art, the, the art history one, you know, these are, are, are famous pieces of art and I'm watching a famous art historian. Tell me all of the hidden things that are in it in three minutes. Now, granted, I'm not getting the full depth of knowledge in three minutes, but I'm getting just enough where I'm like, this is really fun. Mm-hmm. So that side of social media, I can get behind that. But if I have to go on Facebook to see how, like the, the amount of misinformation that's on there, yeah, um, and then what people do when you see different opinions or opinions that might be different than your own, like, I just, I just can't. Yeah. Um, and then the snapshots that sometimes you get of people's life where, you know, vacations and money and cars. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't do it. And I certainly don't like to share a lot of our life on there, but then, you know, I've got relatives that live far and, and, you know, people from high school. And sometimes I love seeing pictures of their kids. So it's this love hate relationship. It really yeah. is. Cause I mean, the, I mean, the reality is we, we really do share a lot, but this is, that's, that's, this is on the podcast we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Like, is our podcast any different than a Facebook feed? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're sharing pretty intimate details about our life and our story and our Mm -hmm. family. And because we want, and and where's that, where's it intent? Where's the intention coming from? I mean, my intention of doing this podcast, if we go back to like, we're coming up on a year. Yeah. Yeah. My intention when we started it, is being like, I don't like to be a front and center person mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but my intention in starting it is that when I went through the process of coming out, I could not find enough resources of people that came out and were thriving. Yeah. And yeah. so part of like my desire to do this was to normalize, like you get to come out whenever you want. Yeah. And you get to come out on your terms and no, you don't. I mean, this wasn't the case for, for, for me, but like a lot of times people, equate coming out and knowing your sexuality based off of like who you're having sex with. And that's not, that's not a part of coming out. Coming part is a deep knowingness of self. 
that's not necessarily connected to the experiences that you've had with other people. You, in other words, you can know your queer AF without ever of having sex with a person that I don't like the, uh, with a person that would, you would identify it as a queer relationship. Yeah. And there just wasn't, it is, it is, it is incredibly important given the amount of hatred and vitriol and heteronormativity that is, is put upon us. It is important to see queer people that have come out and are thriving. It is a yeah. part of our mental health. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Cause I'm connecting like the, with the social media and sharing, like it's a form of vulnerability, you know, it's just, um, you know, I love the, I love when we get emails from people who are like, you, you helped me in this way, or your story has helped me, you know, it's healing. Mm -hmm. And then on TikTok, like, you know, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just pausing on, on, um, yeah, what you're saying. Okay. Well, let's yeah, end this one. I think we're ready to wrap we're it done. up. Yeah. Bye. Or no, you have to tell people to do all the things. Yeah. I'll just say again, if you, um, I guess the most important thing, if you want to write us or, or share your story with us, we'd love to hear it. So just email us how to be queer podcast at gmail.com forget the social media. <laughs> <laughs> we have a love hate. It's a complicated relationship. We have a love hate. We want to hear your story. We want to help off, you know, just we're here for you. That's, that's really why we're here. We're here. We're queer. We're here. We're queer. And we're here for you. Yep. Till next time. Till next time. Happy Valentine's day. Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> hey fuckers. Happy Valentine's day. We love you. <laughs>